the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And welcome, Hour 2 of the Randy Corcoran Program. And guest hosting tonight is the ever-humble, ever-diligent, good, loyal friend of Randy Corcoran's name, Matt Dunn, the Backbone Radio Sunday guy, where I reside 4 to 7 p.m. for quite some time around here. And we have a lot of fun on Sundays. Once in a while, I'll come in on Saturdays. I do try to avoid overexposure. So I apologize to anybody who feels like they are overdosing on host-done commentary. And uh, nothing much can be done about that at this point. But I do try to keep it to, um, to the barest minimum. The times that I come in, even on weekdays, and I've filled in for Stefan Tubbs, and I've filled in for George Brockler, and I've filled in for Deborah Flora, and I do, I get very apologetic about it. I just apologize for being here, you know, that kind of thing. But onward with what we have got to talk about. And I do want to get into the Colorado effort to try to throw Donald Trump off the ballot in Colorado. George Soros funding these organizations. You like that? I'll uh, bring the receipts here in just a moment. But do the Democrats act confident that in 2020, Joe Biden got 81 million votes and just mopped the floor with Donald Trump? They got 81 million votes for Joe Biden sitting down there in his basement campaign, eating his tapioca pudding, 81 million. Why don't they act confident? They just don't seem to feel like that, uh, that confident vibe. And if they really did, if they, if they do believe they had 81 million They should be trying and begging for Donald Trump to run. Please run, Donald Trump. Please run. But I don't know. Do you see how sometimes it just doesn't add up? I'm just throwing that out there. Just just sometimes, you know, you just wonder about these things. If they're so confident, then why try to throw Trump off the ballot with George Soros money, huh? Hmm? Nothing says democracy like defending our democracy, like trying to prevent your ability to vote for who you want to vote for. These defenders of our democracy (laughs) knock people off the ballot, knock Trump off the ballot. Yeah. Do you see how this stuff doesn't add up? The Democrats do not want a fair fight. The Democrats are scared. The ruling class, the deep state is scared. They're nervous, strange, freakish people who are running this country into the ground. And, um, yeah, we'll get into some details there. But Jack up in Cheyenne, Wyoming, was nice enough to hang on with us through a break. And, Jack, do you have any thoughts tonight or just calling to say howdy? What's on your mind, sir? I can do either one. Which would you prefer? Oh, how how about thoughts? On, On this occasion, how about thoughts? So long as okay, we agree with him. The first one is that little, that little piece you played with uh, Robert uh, Fitzgerald Kennedy, the junior. Yeah, that uh, guy. If you go back and fish through it, and maybe other people didn't hear it, but he flat-footedly stated that black people vote Democratic. Now, the biggest insult that you can do to somebody 
is, is to take them for granted. And I would think every black person would be insulted by that, whether they were Democrat or Republican. And if I'm not mistaken, it wasn't too long ago Biden made a similar statement saying, well, if you're not voting for me, then you're not black or something like that. So how can those people be basically... He said, you ain't black. The Democratic Party... He was talking to that yeah, that yeah, podcaster who said, you ain't black if you're not voting for Joe Biden. Yeah. Remember that? That was the 2020 yeah, campaign. Yeah. yeah. But, but where did they get the gall to, to, to make that type of an insulting statement to an entire group of people? And, and how can those people put up with that? I mean, that is, I don't know what you could do that's more insulting than that. You that know was what, my first point. Jack, and if you play, it is offensive. What? You're right. It's offensive. And we, to me, it's we, offensive. We need to sit around being more easily offended, don't we? I mean, we we because that is offensive, well, it, and it's today, also it, offensive, Jack, okay. to, to say that black people can are not capable of getting voter IDs for themselves. That which was the whole point of his statement, it, why he's against it, voter ID. No, be, no, no. That's the what he was saying. The point is they're not. That's that's the what bigger, RFK the was saying. Point they're making. The bigger point they're making, the Democrats are making, is they're not capable of thinking, and we'll do we'll do your thinking for you. That's what they're saying. Let me get to my next point. Well, by all means, yes. Next. Okay, my next point is you earlier in the show you had made the comment that you like to get on the radio and you like it when people call in and correct you when you're mispronouncing something. Yes. And uh, I, I love that. You're doing it on a continu- you're doing it on a continual basis and since you solicited a chronic basis some, uh, correction in that department. Yes, I'll do that. Yes. You keep saying democrat. You keep saying democrat. Now that was a that was a viable group of people that was understandable in the time of Harry Truman. But we're not in those times anymore. And that word Democrat does not apply anymore. The word that you should be using right now is commucrat. Commucrat. Why not just communist? Yes. I mean, get right to the point. Communist. Well, I know, but you've got to give them some vestiges of their old name. You've got you to, just so that you can tie it over. I mean, you don't want to change something too abruptly. Commucrats, that's what they are. Okay, so maybe no. we have like an ease-in period where like for six, yeah, six yeah, or eight months yeah. we use commucrat, and then after using yeah. that diligently, straight, then the masses are ready to go full on and just call them what they are, which would be the, the communist thing. That's a good plan. Boy, are you smart. <laughs> you know, you're one of my best students. You actually are one of my best students. I do try. I'm, I'm, right, I'm very studious, Jack. I, I pay attention. I like to think I have a learning curve. I like to think I don't miss too much. But the mispronunciation thing is a is a problem, and so yes. there's going to be something remedial that can be done there, ideally. But that's where the text messages come in and keep it all afloat here, if you know what I mean. But, Jack, uh, before you go, are you going to be okay without Ken Buck in Congress? Are you going to be okay without him? I want I want my money back on his book. I want the money back on I mean, it was a small book. You, you bought his book? Back. Drain the Swamp? You bought that? I buy every book. Yeah. Yes. That's good. And on, on this, and you I, spent money on Ken Buck's this. book about draining the swamp, and now he's joined the swamp. His next, his sequel is Join yeah. the Swamp. <laughs> he needs to write yes, the sequel. Yes, yes, obvious. Part two. That's why I want my money back. One other thing that I probably shouldn't throw in, but with this race to, to fill Buck's seat, you know, I like Flora. I, I like Flora. And, of course, I hope that's not the kiss of death for her, but I, I would go with Flora. I mean, I don't know who all the other contenders Right on. Be, Deborah Flora, our colleague so right around here, is running yeah. for that seat. Yeah. And I um, yeah, I have no I idea like who all is running. And 
I do think it is befitting for someone like me to I, I I stay out of the primaries, Jack, unless Trump is running and then I yeah. like go big on Trump because he is like the coolest. But um our gubernatorial and Senate primary this last go around, um man did I stay out of that and it was really hard to stay out of it because we got the establishment rhino candidates and we were told those are the guys who can win. Those are the people who can win. I should say well, guys and gals, right, who can win. Well, and you know, I usually— Actually, Heidi Ganahl was not establishment, but Joe O'Day for Senate was major establishment. And, you know, he promptly went out and lost by, was it 13 points, 14, something like that? Yeah. And I stayed out of it. Yeah. No, he—yeah, I know you did. But that this last Halloween, we did, we not only had children coming by on trick-or-treat, we actually had a group of adults came by. A group of adults. Since you mentioned the governor. Well, that's Bidenomics. Yeah. Yeah. Biden. No, it was. It was. That's Polish actually a good with, question. With some of his staff for trick or treat yeah. uh, people out there handing out the sugar. And by the way, I should mention. Yes, Matt Dunn. I'm starting my brand new dental practice. Three zero three two two five seven five seven five is the new phone number. Very exciting. But as we're handing out sugar to the kids that come to our doors on Halloween, um. I did see an adult or two come by my place, and uh, I'm wondering if any yeah. other folks out there in this Biden economy saw adults coming to their doors, you know, who maybe could use just a little bit of, uh, you know, some, some food, right? Um, so, but you had that, huh? Up in Wyoming? Uh, no, no, in, in, in Evergreen. In Evergreen, in, in okay. Polis came with a couple of his staff members, and they were all made up as, like the cast of uh, the ensemble of Peter Pan. See if you can guess which one Polis was dressed as. Um, okay, they they actually Take came to your house. <laughs> they oh, came yeah. to your house. <laughs> yeah. Oh sure. Well, that's that's very honoring um, of you to. The answer the answer is Tinkerbell. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I suppose there's it. there's a joke in there that I have to make it like I didn't get it right. I I, I didn't get it. I understand. Yeah, I think Blake got it. Back I understand. There. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, All right. Blake is Blake is sharp. He doesn't miss anything. No. Okay, goodbye. All right, Jack, you're the greatest. Stay groovy, man. 303-696-1971. You're invited to check in if you uh, have some commentary to add, something to agree with, disagree with, enlighten Blake or myself, Matt Dunn, upon. We are all ears at all times. And about this business of trying to knock Trump off the ballot in Colorado. I mean, how does that grab you? Just on its face. All this unprecedented stuff they are trying to do to stop Trump from running, to not have a fair fight. The Democrats do not want a fair fight. And 2020, of course, somehow COVID came up somehow. And it had to change the way we vote. It had to change the mechanics of how we vote in this country. And um, what are they going to do in 2024, especially with Trump in the huge leads that he's enjoying? Obviously, he just hit 64% in the primary. Um, I've got that poll here. It's just crazy. And he's had a few polls where 10 or 11 points ahead of of Joe Biden for the general. And, um, I mean, that is that is big time. And we'll... At the minimum, the establishment is going to have to find some way to k- keep changing how we vote in this country again. If they don't have COVID, they're going to have to find something else. And I've postulated that perhaps it'll be World War III or World War IV or V if China goes in as well. 
And then, you know, they'll say, well, it's, we got martial law and you can't really vote. We can't have an election. Zelensky in Ukraine, according to the news, is apparently weighing, quote, weighing whether or not in Ukraine they're going to have an election or not in 2024. He called off the last election because, you know, it's like war. We can't have an election. So I, me, the kleptocrat dictator, I have to stay in power. I have to be in power. Called off the elections in Ukraine. And it's kind of ironic that I think the United States uh, ruling class admires that kind of thing. You know, like, hey, let's just call off the election. We don't need to have an election. Trump's in the lead. And he's like on the ballot. And we've been arresting him and indicting him and hoaxing him and all this stuff, but he's still winning. Let's call off the election. Yeah. Don't you know that they would like to do that if they could? At any rate, they do not want a fair fight, even though, right, 81 million votes for Joe Biden. And I'm just throwing that out there. I mean, how do you like that? You know, you get 81 million votes and then somehow you just you, you just don't have the confidence to go do it again. You, you think... Is there a problem why we can't do that again, right, Joe Biden, and get those 81 million again? Let's uh, let's at least hear. Here's what Jack Posobiec said about that. Look, folks, it's simple. They want this country to blow up. Does this seem like a movement, by the way? Does the left seem like they're comfortable? Do you see? Do they seem like they're well adjusted? Do they seem like they think they're going to win? Do they actually think that Joe Biden got 81 million votes and he's going to be able to do so again? If Joe Biden really got 81 million votes, why would they be trying so hard to strip Trump off the ballot? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about right there. I mean, doesn't common sense light a little bulb in there somewhere on that? Just a fair question to ask, the fair logic to ask. Is it not? I know some people do like to defend the establishment narratives, and those are the same kind of people who are very prone to wanting to put a uh, Ukraine flag on their Twitter bio or on their lapel pins or in their yards so they can feel like they're not one of the bad people. They're one of the good people. In terms of the status competition, some people take it as their duty to endorse the establishment memes and the establishment narratives, and they feel like in doing so they are climbing the status scale and they are showing themselves to be better than other people, better than the bad people out there. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's a certain kind of, that's a psychological matter. But on this, uh, here in Colorado, the group that is attempting to get Trump off the ballot here in Colorado is headed up, and I'm going to pull out the name. I have it written down here. Melanie Sloan, Executive Director, Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. Who funds that? The group that wants Trump off the ballot in Colorado. Who funds that? Oh, that would be a fellow named George Soros. Should we hear? uh, All right. Well... Should we do a break? No. Well, let's play it. Let's play it. Melanie Sloan, where do you get your funding for this effort to try to throw Donald Trump off the ballot in Colorado? Because you're scared of him, apparently. 
Who are some of the biggest donors you have, and is there a restriction on how much money they can give you? Um, we don't have any restriction, uh, but I would say our, our biggest donors are, uh, for example, the um, uh, uh, the Open Society Institute is a, a very big donor. The, and whose who's organization is that? Well, it's an... It's a foundation, but uh, it's well known to be uh, George Soros is the one who funds it. Oh. The Wallace Global Fund oh. gives us money. Um, <clears throat> the ARCA Foundation gives us money. Those are some of the big foundations where we Carnegie Corporation gives us money. You, you do see a thread through the different sides in this where a, a big donor like George Soros will give to an awful lot of progressive organizations. Does, it, does he ever ask for anything directly? No, he, and I have met him, and he's never asked for anything at all. And uh, I meet with the program officer from uh, from the Open Society Institute, and they're very happy with what we do, and uh, they're very uh, keen on transparency. We're part of their democracy program. Okay, democracy. See, Melanie Sloan is part of their democracy program, and in their view, in democracy, you try to stop people from being able to vote for the candidate they want to vote for in their interpretation of democracy, which is, of course, propaganda rhetorical cover for their authoritarian totalitarianism mentality. And yeah, nothing says democracy like trying to strip Trump off the ballot, right, in our democracy. You see, that's the police state mentality. Now, Elon Musk is on record saying, and he just came out, he just, he's, Elon Musk is pretty critical of this George Soros guy, says he hates humanity. Elon Musk says Soros is a despiser of humanity. And sure enough, uh, Soros give him money to try to get Trump off the ballot in Colorado for our democracy. Even Melanie Sloat, who runs that deal, just said that. Let's listen to what Elon Musk said about George Soros in just a moment when we come back. Why don't we do that? It's Matt Dunn. I'm in for Randy Corcoran this evening. We're having a great time. 303-696-1971. Back in a flash. Blake, is that the Kinks? Yes, indeed. It is the Kinks. Right on. Blake, the music man this evening. This sounds like about 67, 68, 66. I bet the name of this song is I'm Not Like Everybody Else. Am I right in that? Uh, I never heard this one. It's on Face to Face. I do like the Kinks. Dedicated follower of fashion. One of those funny songs. All of the day and all of the night. You really got me. Lola. They have a few other ones that are quite amusing. Very literate lyrics in their productions. Smart rockers which is what Blake apparently has an affinity for. At any rate, Matt Dunn in for Randy Corcoran tonight, who's off. It's in Loveland, where Carrie Lake is in Colorado having an event, and Randy Corcoran is up there, and that is wonderful. So gives me an opportunity to come by and just spread the good cheer and talk politics a little bit. But indeed, in part, the effort to throw Trump off the ballot in Colorado, which is just so desperate. You know, these defenders of democracy are trying to massacre our democracy, and they're using George Soros's money to do so. And Elon Musk, it's interesting to be Elon Musk. You're the richest man in the world, richest human in the world. 
And he can do and say what he wants, and he can even criticize George Soros, which is something that Fox News will not allow to happen upon their airwaves. And, you know, criticizing George Soros is a risky business, but, you know, if you're Elon Musk, gosh, you can just do it, right? Let's just hear what Elon says about George Soros. Again, accusing Soros of essentially hating humanity. And I thought this was interesting. And, um, yeah, and he also... Soros seems to hate democracy, if you want my opinion. And Soros, I don't know. I mean, he had a very difficult upbringing. Um, and uh, I, in my opinion, he fundamentally hates humanity. That's my opinion. Really? Yeah. I mean, well, he's doing things that erode the fabric of civilization. You know, uh, getting DAs elected who refuse to prosecute crime. That's part of the problem in San Francisco and L.A. and much of other cities. So why would you do that? Was it humanity or is it just the United States as a whole? I mean, I mean he's, he's pushing things in other countries too. He's not doing just the here. same thing? Yeah. Now, George at this point is pretty old. I mean, he's not, uh, you know, he's basically a bit senile at this point. But, I mean, he, 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 and he's, he, he's, a, he's very smart. Um, and he's very good at arbitrage. You know, famously, he uh, shorted the British pound. That's sort of how I, uh, I think he made his first uh, money was shorting the pound. Um, so he's, he's good at spotting, uh, basically arbitrage, like spotting value for money that other people don't see. So uh, one of the things he noticed was that in it, it, that that the value for money in local races is much higher than it is in national races. So the lowest value for money is a presidential race. Then next lowest value for money is a Senate race, then a Congress, and then. But once you get to sort of city and state district attorneys, um, the value for money is extremely good. And uh, Soros realized that you don't actually need to change the laws; you just need to change how they're enforced. If nobody chooses to enforce the law, or the laws are differentially enforced, it's like changing. And if you listen to Elon Musk there <clears throat> speak for a minute or so. And pardon, I was just hacking there for a second. But if you listen to Elon Musk talk, and he, you know, I think he's onto something there. That, you know, Soros does hate humanity. He wants to erode and destroy the fabric of civilization. And one way to do that is to spread his billions around to some of these local races, like for AGs and various things in cities um, and states. Um, secretaries of state around different states. And boy, what havoc these people can wreak, yeah? We're seeing it all the time. But it does seem to me that, yes, yeah, Soros does seem to have a problem with humanity, and he seems to have a problem with civilization. He seems to have a problem with the United States of America doing everything he can with his, with his billions to destroy this place with Ruling class, Democrat, uniparty complicity in all of that. And he's even part of this deal, right, to um, to try to get Trump off the ballot, which is, again, is such desperation. But this Melanie Sloan, who I was mentioning, who um, is heading up this organization um, who's trying to get Trump off the ballot here in Colorado, and she heads up. She's the executive director of Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. She's talking, she's not one of these uh, sort of higher brow, 
PBS interview stations here, and Melanie Sloan says, you know, when, when this when the interviewer asks about George Soros money, George Soros, you can you can hear her sort of like get a little nervous, like oh yeah, it's Soros money, uh, and you can see her kind of get hesitant, and you can kind of hear the telltale signs that she's uncomfortable talking about this. But just in case you're wondering, and I think we should hear it one more time, listen to the signs of discomfort in Melanie Sloan. And even listen to her talk about, you know, we're trying, we're part of their democracy project as you try to block and thwart and destroy our democracy. Who are some of the biggest donors you have? And is there a restriction on how much money they can give you? Um, we don't have any restriction, uh, but I would say our, our biggest donors are, uh, for example, the um, uh, uh, the Open Society Institute is a, a very big donor. The, and whose who's organization is that? Well, it's an it's a foundation, but uh, it's well known to be uh, George Soros is the one who funds it. The Wallace Global Fund gives us money. Um, <clears throat> the ARCA Foundation gives us money. Those are some of the big foundations where we Carnegie Corporation gives us money. You you do see a thread through the different sides in this, where a, a big donor like George Soros will give to an awful lot of progressive organizations. Does it, does he ever ask for anything directly? No, he and I have met him, and he's never asked for anything at all. And uh, I meet with the program officer from uh, from the Open Society Institute, and they're very happy with what we do, and uh, they're very uh, keen on transparency. We're part of their democracy program. Yeah, transparency and the democracy program, and the transparency. I think you can all see it that George Soros, a despiser and hater of humanity and civilization in the United States, is trying to get Trump off the ballot here in Colorado. And it seems to me this is not going to work. And it's another one of these things like arresting Trump and taking a mugshot of Trump and the FBI raids in Mar-a-Lago and all the hoax. It backfires upon these people. But they're going to try it anyway. They're desperate. They're scared. They see the polls. They see Trump winning. They're not confident that Biden really got those 81 million votes in 2020. Why would they not be confident about that? Could they explain could we ask the Democrats why they are not confident in that? I would like to hear a straight-up answer to that sometime from them. But let's get to the phone lines here. And Eric, the great American, how are you, sir? Welcome, Eric. Glad you're here. Hey, hey you great American. I'm glad to be here. Man, it's, it's so fun when you're you know, on the radio, period. Saturdays, Sundays, Mondays, whenever. Yeah, any day of the week. I remember when uh, Victor uh, Victor David Hansen, Jack Phillips, Ellen Graham, she was on your radio station during the time that Brandon Tatum, Lauren Bobert was there at the Hyatt with Jeff Hunt's Centennial Institute. I remember this. I remember, I remember it well. It well. Yep. Yeah. You were looking so cool, calm, and collected, and you put me on the air, and I was froze like a, oh, my God, I was terrified. I still Matt, remember your suit Dr. that day, Doug. Eric. That was a great <laughs> suit you had on, looking dapper, and you regaled the listeners when you showed up. So, But not nervous mm -hmm. at all and met your lovely wife that evening? Yes, Felisa, she was there. Hey, young man, could, well, you know who I want. To babysit your the the kiddos when you go to Stephen Tubbs, you and the beautiful wife go to the party <laughs> Tuesday. I already texted you on that. 
Oh, you did? Okay. I, I got yeah. to catch up with the, the text. They're really flowing in tonight. Yeah, I texted you that, you know, when Gary Lake is here in Loveland, <clears throat> excuse me, that you, we should all pay, you know, pitch in to hire her to babysit your kiddos, ah. as you call them. Yeah, yeah. And that, you know, about time Gary Lake gets through with your kiddos, she would have them endorsing her. <laughs> <laughs> yep, she's running for Senate in Arizona, and that's going to be one heck of a race. And Carrie Lake, nobody nobody gives better speeches. Nobody has been more I, consistent and unyielding. Nobody has absorbed huge amounts of propaganda and insult better than Carrie Lake. And glad to see she's here in Colorado. I love how she turns the media. They'll ask her a question, and they should turn her around on them and ask them the question that they just asked her. <laughs> right, and I don't know. I yeah. I might just ask you: Is what do you think of this? Try to get Trump off the ballot in Colorado, Eric? Is this? Do you do you like the idea of that? Is that good for our democracy? Huh? No, it's not. It's it, it's insane, uh, Doctor Dunn. It's, it's just nuts, and that just shows. That I think uh, all along, I told Peter Boyles, I think that Trump won here in Colorado. You know, I really mean that. It and makes it, you wonder what what yeah. what is their concern? You know, and exactly. obviously they could use Colorado as a way to set a precedent, get them off here than a few other states. But New Hampshire rejected this totally. They 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 didn't even consider it. Nope, Trump's going to be on the ballot in New Hampshire, but they'll probably try Oklahoma. as many states as they can with uh, George Soros' money and see what they can come and up with. I wanted to tell you just last week, it's amazing that you're speaking up on uh, this this dude, Soros, because Mark Levin was on him like ugly on an ape to where um, Johnson, Mike, the new speaker, yeah. should bring him, subpoena him in front of uh, Congress. Because he has committed so many crimes, paying for all the, you know, inciting riots and such. And then when Mark speaks, the Republicans listen. And I, I'm thinking that they're probably ha having a little meeting with Jim Jordan and, uh, you know, Comer and company. To, I don't know why they haven't. This dude, Rush Limbaugh, taught me a long time ago, Dr. Dunn, that George Soros does this to, um, you know, First world country, so to speak, it's a game to him. He he, he likes to uh, tear down tear down empires and move on to the next one and the next one. If you read his history, that's what he does. It's like a chess game to see if he could do it. You that's know, to, to one uh, of the great the problems in our uh, our society, our world today, is the the really hostile billionaires, the really destructive billionaires who can spend whatever money they want, wherever they want, with a goal of an increasing havoc. And as Elon Musk was just saying, you know, with a goal of destroying civilization. And um, it's hard to counteract that. And most politicians, with the exception of Donald Trump, who already has his own billions, doesn't need anybody else's billions. Um, you know, the money talks well, to these people. Soros, yeah. Real fast, George Soros, I could see him at the dinner table in the dining room with Chuck Schumer and Maxine Waters 
And that other uh, corn-rolled hair woman in Houston, Texas, oh, Sheila Jackson Lee. I can all see them there at the same dinner table. You know, how are we going to get them? How are we going to get them? And George George Soros is the same dude. I mean, if he looks in the mirror, he sees Chuck Schumer. I'll tell he's you no, what. He's no better. But the thing is, Eric, they they pull all these stunts, and that they're they're at the point where they all backfire, and they all backfire in mass. I mean, how many straws can you put on a camel's back? You know, you put on the Russia hoax, you put on the impeachments, you you put on spying on Donald Trump, and you put on the constant round the clock hoaxes in the media, and then you know, pretty soon, you arrest them, you indict them, you you do a mugshot, you try to get them off the ballot. At some point. The camel just collapses under the weight of all that. And people start seeing, like, take him off the ballot. And are you crazy? And you're trying to do that in the name of democracy? Are you nuts? This is the kind of stuff that I think the American people, finally, they're, they're seeing the aggregate weight of all of this. And that camel is just collapsed. It's just, it's just not working. It's, it's backfiring on them. And it, it's about time. That's just my opinion on this. Do you, do you think there's anything to that, that when you talk to your friends, you know, like you say it down at the barber shop and everything, do they do they kind of look at all this and say, yeah, you know, this this really is some corruption going on? Yep, they, they've come to me. I don't know if I told you the story about uh, Sean. He came from Florida to shake my hand. He, you know, he came to see his family, but he was at the barber shop. And he came there, shook my hand. He said, Eric, you were right all along about Donald Trump. And that's not the only one. They say that Donald Trump is going to be their vote to guy regardless. And he was at a rally. Well, they, I mean, the media were talking to these people at a rally. I forgot what state. It was just recently, Matt. And they said that he would vote for uh, they would go to jail. Well, they would vote for him even if he was in jail. He said, "Well, they, he can run. Uh, he could be the president while he's in jail, and <laughs> we still, you well, know, go along him." That's something part, in that. You that's, know, yeah, it's part of why I think the Democrats are so scared and so nervous for twenty twenty four is that Trump is outperforming with African American voters and Hispanic oh. voters and Asian voters and suburban women even. He's outperforming with all these different demographic groups that the Democrats are so keen to be keeping tabs on and measuring. And they are nervous, man. They are nervous the about 2024. You're right. And the media just won't share how much, how, how, how many millions and millions and millions of people love uh, Trump. Exactly. Matt? Just look at the crowds. Look at those crowds Matt. and look at how no one else gets the crowds. Well, great American, we have run a little bit long, but I just love hearing your voice, See sir. You Tuesday. Yep. See you Tuesday, pal. Okay. And, okay, big and man. Yeah, we'll be back <laughs> backbone tomorrow if you have a mind to call in. But I all gotta the get best. you guys some burritos tomorrow, okay? <laughs> I got to get that in. I'll bring an appetite to the studio, Eric. I already talked to Blake. We got it set up. Okay. All right. So it won't be a surprise, but it's still going to be as good. All right, sir. All the best. All right. You bet. Matt Dunn (laughs) in for Randy Corcoran. We'll be back in mere moments. Mr. Blakeman, what is this music? It's kind of a slow build. 
Is the voice coming in eventually? It'll be coming in in a second. You might be able to recognize it. I'm not placing this song. It's newer. Oh, it's new? Yeah. New music. Am I? Give you a hint. I just saw these guys. These guys are definitely a little on the eccentric side, but I think I could get into it. Another British pop-sounding group. Are they also British, or are they Americans trying to sound British? Well, his dad was British. Okay, who are these guys? This is Claypool, Lennon, Delirium. Claypool? Claypool. Les Claypool. Oh, Clay- Les Claypool, who was in Primus, right? He was their bass dude? He was the guy. He's the, he's the colonel. And he's still going. He's still alive and all that. Good he's for a, Les Claypool. I've always heard his name all these years and don't know much about him, though. You're just like <laughs> him, dude. You're the, you're well, the political thanks for, version thanks of him. Well, thanks for some Les. At any rate, yeah, I should say Matt Dunn in for Randy Corcoran tonight. Just playing around with his music. Just Saturday night frolicking here at the Randy Corcoran program. And I didn't want to mention too much on this, but, you know, Ron DeSantis has gotten to the point of being extremely irritating, if you want my opinion. And his whole gimmick in running, and he's stuck down in single digits. He's having a terrible campaign. He's not having a good time. But the whole point of him running was campaigning and banking on Donald Trump, like, ending up in jail or Donald Trump somehow, like, getting out of the race or something. and It's just not working out that well for DeSantis, and he's even compromising his future in Florida. And my gosh, um, <clears throat> he goes on uh, MSNBC and the left-wing media outlets these days and is constantly trying to disparage the frontrunner when DeSantis' whole stock in trade was Trump light and mini-MAGA. All the way along, and now he flips on a dime and shows that the whole thing was essentially a stunt and a, and a fake. And it's very disappointing. And he's, you know, he's getting the results he deserves. But he's, he's caught up in this thing that they're calling Bootgate. And there's a whole Twitter meme and handle on Bootgate because when DeSantis shows up at various events, he tends to be wearing these, like, boots, um, sometimes cowboy boots and sometimes kind of pointy toed where the toe front tip curls up um, like Wizard of Oz kind of boots like elves wear and people notice like when he walks across a stage or when he's walking in a parade or something he has this like he's tilted his body's like tilted a little forward like he's kind of off balance because he's probably wearing high heels he's wearing lifts down there inside of his boots okay And this is one of those things that is just kind of fun to talk about. And, you know, it's it's one of those things that you get into in campaigns that they, uh, you know, these kind of issues come up. And you don't take them too seriously, but you joke around with them. And if DeSantis is going to be kind of hitting below the belt and like accusing Trump of needing a teleprompter or something when Trump is the guy who has... There's never been a political person less tethered to a teleprompter than Trump. So, you know, if if the CNN is going to play this way, then we'll talk about Bootgate.
and the big debate is raging, you know, is how short is he? And he claims to be 5'11". And then everyone says, no, 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 that is not true. That is not true. Some people say 5'9", some people say 5'7", all over the map. And he could settle this if he just brought out the measuring tape and showed us how tall he was. But you know the things that people talk about during a campaign. But does he wear high heels or not? And Politico has this big story in which they interview shoemaker experts, experts in shoemaking, and they come to the conclusion that, yes, DeSantis is wearing high heels. He's wearing lifts inside his booties. Bootygate, we should probably call it. And while, as people know, I am a big scoffer at political experts, I am not into political expertise. There's an author named Tom Nichols, who is a horrible never-Trumper rhino guy, who wrote a book about uh, expertise and how, gosh, the American people don't listen to the experts when we experts are the people that know better for them about everything, and they should just listen to us experts, but no, they won't listen to us. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, it's because the experts are some of the most misguided people on the planet. Read Thomas Sowell on that, on how intellectuals can be the last people you ever want to uh, listen to in terms of politics. But if you get an expert on shoemaking, okay, I'll listen to that. I'll listen to that. And the experts that Politico quotes say that, yeah, the guy is wearing lifts. He's trying to make himself taller. He's trying to appear taller than he really is, which, frankly, is not a good look for a political candidate, and probably a lot of them do that. Anyway, a guy named Will Kane, who's a commentator, decides he's going to get a little scientific. He's going to kind of break down the science. And it seems to me Will Kane has settled the science on this that, yes, in fact, in point of fact, Ron DeSantis is wearing high heels. He's wearing lifts inside his strange, elfish, Wizard of Oz, pointy-toed boots that he wears around and sort of awkwardly walks around in on his campaign. But let's hear what Will Kane has to say. Something looks weird in the heel. Okay, I don't know if it's a piece of evidence, but just watch enough. Something looks off where his heel seems to be sitting in the boot. This part of the boot, the top of your boot, right here where you know it would be the top of your foot. You can see how mine's kind of creased a little bit right there. This is where the leather folds a little when you do that, right? Well, DeSantis's are pulled taut when he's wearing it. Like, really, like, when his foot's are this is all stretched out up here in the top of the boot where your top of your ankle would be. And I think that's because he's jamming his foot into a boot that's too big and pushing his heel back this way and stretching the top of his boot right here. Your toes kind of end. Right here. And you can see it still doesn't curl up. Still doesn't curl up. Which says to me, the Ron DeSantis' toes aren't going up toward the front of his boot. Verdict? Yes, Ron DeSantis is wearing lifts. Wow. You know, you listen to that. Will Kane realizes that Ron DeSantis is wearing lifts. And, you know, Trump, for his part, says he doesn't care that much about it. But, uh, you know, he, he at least thinks it's kind of funny and the crowd laughs. And he was there for eight years and his whole life was to run. But I didn't know him. And the De Sanctimonious came to see me. Would you do it? Tears in his eyes. Nobody would even believe it. I don't know if he was wearing those same boots. I didn't notice that. I don't care either. 
That I don't care about. See, that's a kinder, gentler Trump. He doesn't care about the boots. He doesn't care about Bootgate. He's not going to go there, but he'll let people like me go there and Will Cain. And, you know, the left, they, they love the science, right? You don't question the science. But when you get, you know, shoemakers, expert shoemakers who say that he's wearing heels, he's wearing lifts. I mean, yeah, the science is settled. There is no argument. We're done with that. It's high heels. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 